I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 25 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. In this episode, I will focus on the prayer habits of Jesus Christ and the important role played by women in St. Luke's Gospel. I will offer examples of Jesus' reliance upon prayer, both before and after major events. All the examples cited happen in Jesus' adulthood, beginning with his baptism in the River Jordan, and reveal his reliance upon daily prayer, often in solitude. At the end of the episode, I will point out where material presented in episode 25 is discussed in the new AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke, annotated and illustrated. The first example comes in St. Luke's encounter in Luke 3.21 of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan by John the Baptist. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The illustration is a greatly detailed and highly stylized circa 1020 A.D. illumination in gold and colored inks on parchment from the Hitta Codex, a late Ottonian Empire period gospel book with selected scenes in the life of Christ, commissioned by Hitta, the mistress of the Abbey of Meshida, Germany, and produced at Cologne from the collection of the Universitats und Landesbibliothek Darmstadt, Germany. We want to thank the authorities at the library for granting us permission to use high-resolution images. Note that in the image, fish swim in the River Jordan as the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends from the starry heaven above. The recumbent figure in the lower right is said to be the spirit of the River Jordan. This version emphasizes the Spirit's presence and does not include the voice from heaven typical of other representations, marking the rare simultaneous appearance of all three divine persons of the Holy Trinity. In the next example, in Luke 5, verse 16, following the cleansing of a leper near the Sea of Galilee after the calling of the first four disciples, St. Luke observes that for the first time that, avoiding the crowds, Jesus, quote, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Similar observations are recorded in Matthew 14.23 and Mark 1.35. The illustration, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, is my own photograph of the central detail from a stained glass window by Mayor of Munich, at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, from the AIC bookstore publication, Paintings on Light. St. Luke makes a different point in the next example in his account of what happened on the night before the Sermon on the Mount. Writing in chapter 6, verse 12, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. The illustration for this and the next slide is an 1874 A.D. engraving on wood by French artist Alexandre Bida from his Illustrated Bible. 
Most of St. Luke's narrative indicates that the disciples respected Jesus' desire for solitude when at prayer, but not always, as in this example, after the feeding of the 5,000, as recorded in Luke 9, 18. As it happened, as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? Not all of St. Luke's accounts of Jesus at prayer describe instances of solitary prayer. In Luke 9, 28 and 29, he records his own unique account, not recorded by St. Matthew or St. Mark, of events on the day of the Transfiguration, traditionally understood to have taken place on Mount Tabor. He took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. The illustration is a tempera and gilt-on-panel icon of the Transfiguration painted in 1516 A.D. for the spaso Monastery in Yaroslavl, Russia, on the Volga River, about 175 miles northeast of Moscow. The name of the monastery honors the transfiguration of the Savior. In an earlier slide, I described the disciples interrupting Jesus at prayer. In one of the most important moments in Scripture, recorded in Luke 11:1, 1, they waited until just the right moment to ask their question, which led to Jesus offering them the short-form version of the Lord's Prayer. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John, meaning John the Baptist, taught his disciples. In St. Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, there is no negative comparison by Jesus to the prayer habits of the Pharisees as there is in Matthew 5.1. Jesus' criticism of the Pharisees comes in the unique parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18, verses 9 to 14. The illustration is teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer, another late 19th century watercolor by James Tissot, which I used in episode 23 in association with the Moral Discourses. There is one example which St. Luke does not label as prayer, but since it is directed to the Father, it should be counted as one. It is found in St. Luke's description of the return of the Seventy, which I discussed in episode 21, but quote again now from Luke 10, verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and reveal them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. The illustration is a Russian Orthodox icon of the 70. Except for the Lord's Prayer and the incident just cited, neither St. Matthew or St. Mark tell us the actual content of Jesus' prayers. However, St. Luke does give us four glimpses the first in connection with Jesus' prophecy of St. Peter's denials. In the account in Luke 22, verses 31 to 32, unique to his gospel, St. Luke reinforces the theme of the power and importance of faith and the concept of the church as a community of shared faith. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you 
that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. The illustration is a circa 6th century A.D. Byzantine mosaic of St. Peter. St. Luke does not tell us, as St. Matthew does in Matthew 26:37, that it was Peter, John, and James who accompanied him in the garden, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane on Maundy Thursday, but he does tell us in Luke 22:40 what Jesus said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. There are two meanings here, one a direct and one an indirect benefit of prayer. First, directly for the Father's help and in resisting temptation, as in the petition in the Lord's Prayer. And second, the actual act of praying in the sense of the time and effort involved as reducing the opportunity for succumbing to the temptations of the flesh. The illustration is Agony in the Garden, one of 21 miniature scenes in the life of Christ from an fresco by uh, Guadenzio Ferrari at the Church of Santa Maria della Grazia in Veralicesia, Italy, painted in 1513 A.D. The scene is placed second from the left in the second row of three with the crucifixion in a larger box at the center. Jesus prays with an angel at the top while the disciples sleep at the bottom. Luke also tells us that Jesus was, quote, withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, submitting to the Father's will. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. The rest of verse 44 is the source of the bloody sweat tradition in Christian art. There are three other glimpses in the Gospel of St. Luke into the content of Jesus' prayers, which offer divine instruction. On the first of the three examples, St. Luke summarizes Jesus' view of the need for and the purpose of prayer. In the prelude to the parable of the tenacious widow, unique to St. Luke's gospel and discussed in episode 19, St. Luke wrote in Luke 18.1 that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. The illustration, Luke writing his gospel, is a miniature illumination in colored inks and gold on parchment from the Harley Golden Gospels, which are also known as the Ada Gospels, made in Aachen, Germany in 800 A.D., the year Charlemagne was crowned Holy Roman Emperor at Rome, from manuscript Egerton 2788, folio 108V, in the British Library at London, England. The remaining two examples of the content of Jesus' prayer are found in his words from the cross. In the first example, Jesus prayed concerning those who had crucified him, saying in Luke 23:34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These words are not found in the Gospels of St. Matthew and St. Mark. They are part one in the Anglican seven words on the cross, music and readings for Good Friday. The illustration is a Polish icon on panel of the crucifixion from the second half of the 16th century, 
from the Historical Museum in Sanok, Poland. The third and final example is found in St. Luke's account of the last words of Jesus Christ from the cross in Luke 23, verse 46a, spoken, according to St. Luke, quote, with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Luke adds the following narrative, having said this, he breathed his last. The sentence is part seven in the Anglican Seven Words of the Cross music and readings for Good Friday. The illustration is the central detail from the oldest known representation of the crucifixion from the Rabula Gospels drawn on parchment in present-day Syria in 586 A.D. from the Laurentian Library in Florence, Italy. The prayer habits of Jesus Christ influenced the early Christians in developing doctrines concerning prayer. In the late 4th century, John Chrysostom, then bishop at Constantinople and one of the great pulpit orators of all time, and whose name means in Greek, John the Golden Mouth, wrote this observation in homily 6. Prayer is the light of the soul, giving us true knowledge of God. It is a link mediating between God and man. By prayer, the soul is borne up to heaven in an, and in a marvelous way embraces the Lord. This meeting, meeting is like that of an infant crying on its mother and seeking the best of milk. The soul longs for its own needs and what it receives is better than anything to be seen in the world. For more information about traditional understandings of the gospel and the prayer habits of Jesus, I recommend several books by the theologian Luke Timothy Johnson. First, The Living Gospel, published in 2004, which inspired my approach for this episode. The Writings of the New Testament, published in 1999, in which Professor Johnson continues his prayer-focused approach into his discussion of the Acts of the Apostles. And finally, The Real Jesus, subtitled The Mistaken Quest for the Historical Jesus and the Truth of the Traditional Gospels. Professor Johnson's answer, first published in 1996, to modern approaches to the study of Christianity, especially that of the Jesus Seminar and other revisionist variations on, quote, what would Jesus do? The final topic in this discussion of the Gospel of St. Luke is the importance of women in St. Luke's Gospel. He not only names more women than any other Gospel author, but also presents them in more important roles. Some examples from previous episodes. In episode 12, St. Luke opens chapter 1 with his unique account of Mary's cousin, the Baron Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist. In episode 13 and episode 14, the story continues with the Annunciation to the Blessed Virgin Mary and her singing of the Magnificat, St. Mary's song of praise to the Lord. The illustration, the Annunciation, is a first quarter 14th century temperer and gilt-on-panel icon at the Church of St. Clement in Ored in the Republic of North Macedonia. But the fact of their appearance is not the whole story. 
While women are mentioned in other Gospels, only St. Luke reveals their special roles, and in the case of Elizabeth and Mary, the precious gift they receive from God, that is, the conception of a child in unique circumstances and whose birth was vital to the plan of salvation of which St. Luke wrote. The illustration, the visitation, is the central detail in an illumination in temper and gold on parchment from the Codex Aureus of Echternach, produced at the Abbey of Echternach, Echternach, Luxembourg, which was then in Germany, between 1030 and 1050 A.D. from the collection of the Germanische National Museum, Nuremberg, Germany. Only in Luke do we hear of Anna the prophetess discussed in episode 14, also mentioned only in St. Luke's Gospel. Her unique life story reveals the place for older people in the life of the church. St. Luke tells us she served in the temple until she was over 100, including being present at the presentation of Christ in the temple, illustrated in the Fresco by Giotto di Bondoni, one of five miniature scenes in the life of Christ, he painted between 1304 and 1306 on the right side wall at Scrovani Chapel in Padua, Italy. Later in chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, discussed in episode 21, we learn of Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus later raised from the dead, and hear Jesus' lecture on the value of hearing the word. His instruction reveals the importance of the role both women played, one by service, the other by listening. The illustration, Jesus with Mary and Martha at Bethany, is an engraving by Gustave Doré from his Grand Bible Du Tours in 1866 with simultaneous publication in London of Doré's English Bible. Other women in St. Luke's narrative are the widow of Nain, on whom Jesus showed compassion by raising her son from his coffin, discussed in episode 20, based on Luke 7, verses 11 to 16. The woman who lost a coin in Luke 15, verses 8 to 10, discussed in episode 18. And finally, the persistent widow in the parable of the tenacious widow, discussed in episode 19. The illustration, Raising the Son of the Widow of Nain, is an illumination in colored inks and gilt on parchment from the Hitta Codex, mentioned earlier. One final example not previously discussed in Jesus' prophecy and beatitude to the women of Jerusalem as he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem uniquely is uniquely described in Luke 23, verses 28 to 32. In other Gospels, the presence of women may be assumed, but generally it is not specifically mentioned. The illustration is James Tissot's 19th century watercolor of the life of Christ, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, or Daughters of Jerusalem. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves, for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? In the Orthodox Study Bible, New Testament, and Psalms, in verse 31, 
The innocent Jesus is described as the green wood and the guilty Jerusalem as the dry. Taken together, these descriptions of the importance, important role women played in the life of Christ attest to St. Luke's message of the universal appeal of the gospel message to all peoples, that is, all nations, to women as well as men. This concludes the discussion of the Gospel of St. Luke. Throughout the series, I have stressed St. Luke's elegant usage of Koine Greek, also known as New Testament Greek, the common language of the majority of residents in the Holy Land in the first century, especially noted, noting his frequent usage of evocative words and phrases such as, it came to pass, and so it was. I focused on several consistent themes, including the universality of the offer of salvation, the power and necessity of witnessing, the power of faith, and the power of prayer. And I have discussed the unique content of St. Luke's Gospel, including the narratives of both the, the infancy of John the Baptist and of Jesus, the four songs, the unique parables, many unique incidents, his description of the prayer habits of Jesus, and finally of his naming more women than in any other gospel. These have been illustrated with many examples of historic art from the traditions of both the Eastern and the Western churches. Many of these works have only recently been available in the public domain. In the second half of A.D. 2020 and first half of A.D. 2021, the Anglican Internet Church has embarked upon a major project to incorporate many of these beautiful illustrations into a series of books on the Gospels with one volume each for each of the four evangelists. The volume on the Gospel of Luke will be discussed in the other AIC resources section. The illustration of Luke writing his gospel is a 10th century illumination in temper and gilded on parchment from a gospel book made at Constantinople from manuscript additional 28815 folio 176V at the British Library, London, England. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode are from the seasonal video series 12 Days of Christmas with a theological word for, or phrase for each day from Christmas Day through Epiphany Eve, January 5th. The key word for the second day of Christmas, December 26th, the Feast of St. Stephen is forgiveness. From Epiphany, the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, the Baptism of Jesus Christ is discussed in Episode 3. From Lent, a season of penitence, the feeding of the 5,000 is discussed in Episode 2. From the Good Friday series in the Cross of Christ I Glory, the seven words from the cross are presented in multiple segments intended to be read between 12 noon and 3 p.m. From Trinity Tide, the teaching season, Jesus' comments on forgiveness are discussed in episode 8. From the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints, from the first series, St. Mark is the focus of episode 7, St. Matthew of episode 14, and St. Luke of episode 15, 
From the second series, John Chrysostom is the focus of episodes 9 and 10. From the Christian Education video series, The Lord's Prayer, the Forgive Us Our Trespasses petition is discussed in episode 2. From the AIC Bookstore publication, The Gospel of Luke, Annotated and Illustrated, subjects are The Prayer Habits of Jesus, from his baptism to the crucifixion, and are discussed in chapters 3, 5, 6, 9, 10, 11, 18, and 23. The increased importance Luke records for women is discussed in chapter 1, 2, 10, 18, 22, and 24. The illustration is the transfiguration from the Gospels of Otto III, made around 998 A.D. From Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest are angels, archangels, baptism, beatitudes, crucifixion, faith, forgiveness, Lord's Prayer, Magnificat, prayer, prophet slash prophecy, and transfiguration. In the beliefs of the Anglican Church, the Lord's Prayer is discussed on pages 59 to 65. In occasional services for Anglican worship, the full text of our Good Friday service in the Cross of Christ Thy Glory is found on pages 75 to 101, and a Holy Communion liturgy for Transfiguration Day is found on pages 125 to 144. In Christian spirituality and Anglican perspective, Christian prayer and suggestions for the development of personal prayer habits are found in Part 4, pages 63 to 100. In Paintings on Light, the Stained Glass Windows of St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, a full-size image of the Mayor of Munich window of Jesus praying in the Garden at Gethsemane is found on page 37. Finally, there's Father Ron's blog, for which the direct URL address is www.anglicaninternetchurch.net right slash blog with blog and lowercase letters. By clicking on the Follow Anglican Internet Church Legend in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can receive notice of each new posting. From our site host, WordPress.com, please be assured that we do not share information with any other entity. Thank you for joining me for Episode 25, the final episode in the series on the Gospel of St. Luke. Next time, in Episode 26, I begin discussion of the Gospel of St. John. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www. AnglicanInternetChurch.net